Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Joshua chapter 7. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart. When you see this word set apart, think of the word holy. We take things and we make them holy by setting them apart from other use to a specific use. They are set apart from use for sin or ordinary things, set apart to use in the kingdom of God. All right? The two don't mix. I was looking at some old sermon notes this last week, and I used the illustration of we have a communion set, right? You would never use the communion set to serve lunch. I'm in a hurry, but there's a story in my head. We had some visitors come. A long time when we were in the other building, we had carpet where we had the chairs, the auditorium chairs, and then right past that carpet was tile floor where we served breakfast. So we had some, visitor, uh, some visitors come, and we're standing there talking, and he and I, and we look around, and he has two little boys. And I hear him say to his boys who are shooting the communion off of the breakfast table, because I don't know why we put it on the breakfast table, uh, he says, oh, they have kid-sized cups. And they didn't know what it was, but the, the little boys are just back there having having some grape juice and they're like oh look at the little crackers and they're just like oh it's a funny story they didn't know they didn't know so I went and got some cheese to go with their crackers because that's the way it goes all right you guys are being distracting all right so but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord a man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things so The Lord was very angry with the Israelites. I say that slow because none of those words fit into modern Christian theology. Wait, God got angry? Yes, that's what the Bible says. He got angry at Israel. I mean, Israel's not the ones that sinned. It was just Achan. So why it's not fair that God would get angry at everybody? I'm just telling you what God says, and he is the commander of the Lord's armies. He's the one who makes the rules, so just listen. Achan was the son of uh, Carmi, a descendant of Zamri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. That's going to be important later on in the story. I know that you're looking at it, rolling your eyes, but it is important. Meanwhile, Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai. It's also pronounced I. You can go either way. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, doesn't make any of our, don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. Verse 4. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent. But they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. So 36 of the Israelite warriors got killed. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. I'm going to show you on a map kind of what what this looks like because this is important. Um, So they come over here. They just conquered Jericho. They take their troops on the orange line there. They get to Ai. Ai rallies against them and chases them over here to the quarries, okay? You with me? 
we only need a couple thousand men. This is no big deal. AI, they're, they're, it's a small town. We're just going to go take them. We got this. We got this, Joshua. No worries. No big deal. They get routed. So now their courage has melted away. All of their confidence is gone. Verse 6, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay. They threw dust on their heads and they bowed and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua, the fearless leader of Israel, he cried out. He's a punk here. We'll get to that in a minute. Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're only going to let the Amorites kill us? You just saw the walls fall, dude. Come on. 30 seconds later, you're whining. If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the river is the implication. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? We look like fools now. We're the ones running away from the bullies now. Verse 9, for when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? Because God's great name is dependent on us. (laughs) Silly, isn't it? We would never do that. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up! I think that that's how it came across. I think God's like, you're my main man here, dude. You're laying in the ground whining because 36 of your men got killed. Get up. Did you ever say that to your kids? You know, they throw a little temper tantrum and you're like in Walmart. You're like, if you don't get off of the floor right now, I'm going to stump on your little head. <laughs> there, there were three head and children. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's my favorite joke, but it's not a good joke. That's what Diane tells me all the time. That's not funny, bro. God says, I I make a big issue out of that because next time you're whining to God, I hope that you hear in your ears, get up. We're moving along now. We're past Brent's being involved in the text. Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. This has nothing to do with you, Joshua. This has nothing to do with your military abilities. This has nothing to do with you. Get up. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. That's the problem. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their their enemies in defeat. And now, now, Israel itself, God is speaking here, just remind you, for God itself has been set apart for what? Destruction. Why? Because of sin. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. God says the consequences to this sin is going to affect all of Israel and it is serious. I will no longer let you abide with me. Verse 13, get up again. 
Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. God has given specific instructions. Achan had ignored God's instructions, and now everyone in Israel is going to be paying for these consequences. Now, the parallel, the the symbolism is that when we hold sin in our lives, God's not going to walk with us anymore. This is an element of Christianity, biblical Christianity, that we've lost in our modern culture because modern Christianity says, I can have a little sin, God understands, it's no big deal. He doesn't get angry, even though the text says God was angry at Israel. God hates sin. He hates it in his people. Why? Because it destroys his people. It's a father's heart to say, don't sin. It will destroy you. So he tells them, if you don't get the sin out, I'm not going to walk with you. You're on your own and you will never defeat another nation, another town in the promised land. So you either repent, get the sin out, or you're on your own. It's not going to go over well. Verse 14. In the morning, you must present yourselves by tribes. Man, visualize this while, this, while I read this, because this is incredible. God tells, he's giving them instructions. In the morning, you must present yourselves by tribes, and the Lord will point out the tribe. So all of Israel is going to gather by tribe. The Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. So now we isolate a tribe. That tribe must come forward with its clans, and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. So that clan is isolated out. That clan then will come forward, and the Lord will point out the guilty family. So now we take it out, we isolate a family. Finally, each member of the guilty family must come forward one by one. And the one who has stolen what was set apart for destruction will himself be burned with fire along with everything he has, for he has broken the covenant of the Lord and has done a horrible thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord. The tribe of Judah was singled out. Everybody's watching. Then the clans of Judah came forward. The clan of Zerah was singled out. Then the family of Zerah came forward, and the family of Zimri was singled out. Every member of Zimri's family was brought forward while the nation of Israel watched person by person, and Achan was singled out. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Can you imagine? That's tense, isn't it? I mean, if I lined you guys up on Sunday morning and said, all right, one of these four sections, one of these six sections, you guys in the back get counted as well. Somebody sinned. It's this section. 
We're going to go by row, and we're narrowing it down until it was obviously Nick. <laughs> That's terrifying, huh? It wouldn't be Nick. Nick's just by himself, and he's on the front, so I pick on him. Can you imagine if you're sitting there guilty, and it's like, oh, my goodness, we've, out of 12 tribes, they picked my tribe, and now they picked my clan, and now they picked my family, and uh-oh, should I run? Should I sit here? What do I do? What is God going to do? Achan replied, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, among the plunder. I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deep, deeper than the rest. So Joshua sent some of the men to search, to make a search. They ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there. Just as Achan had said, with the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and they brought it to Joshua and all the Israelites. Then they laid them on the ground, what? In the presence of the Lord. All of this is happening while the Lord of glory is watching over as discipline is happening in the nation of Israel for sin. So they bring it They lay it on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, and his sons, his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his goats, his tent, and everything that Achan had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. Then Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day. This is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry. Again, I just can't help but think this is brutal, but never does God make obedience optional. Holiness, being set apart for his kingdom, is a really big deal to God. God gives the parameters of our relationship with him, and if we violate those parameters, there is severe Judgment In this case, not just for the person who sinned, but for the entire family, including his animals and his tent, everything. It had actually affected all of Israel as well. You remember, they lost their battle. Israel went to battle. They lost. They ended up being chased off. 36 uh, soldiers, innocent men, lost their lives because Achan saw a Babylonian robe that he thought was pretty, and he took it home with him. Sin will lead to failure. Brant, we live in the New Testament. Things are different now. No, they're not. No, when you sin, it creates chaos every time. God gives us parameters for holiness. And when, uh, when we live in that holiness, there's the full blessing of God. When we step out of that holiness, then you live in sin and there's no blessing We as a church must learn this. We as a nation 
have lost this and we need to relearn it. This is not a time to determine whether God is your friend or your foe, but in faith we follow the Lord our God. Do you hear me? Because there's this political tug in our world where, well, God is on our side. He's a God of grace and love and he understands our sin. And then there's this, I think, a remnant of believers who say, this is what God has defined as holy and we're going to stick to it. And those people are becoming less and less popular, by the way. Number three, you've got to hurry. Lord, if you could just turn back time for about 30 minutes, that would be good. Okay. A successful ambush. Oh, the story's going to get better. I'm just reminded of the scripture that say God is this, it says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, I think that we've really made a mistake in categorizing the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Because we're going to see later on that God is a God of grace both today and back then. We saw it in the story of Rahab. Wait, did she go to the right church? No. Did God show her grace? Yes. Because she was obedient, she honored the Lord. It's that simple. God hasn't changed. He's the same. Joshua 8. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. (laughs) Dude, you had us just kill my buddy Achan and his wife and his little kids. Don't be afraid. No. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Don't be afraid of your enemies. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroy Jericho and its king. But this time, watch this. But this time, you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. See how God, he's, one time he says, this, this time you have to be obedient, do exactly what I say. This time, I'm going to give you everything that's perfectly fine. Isn't that cool? Set an ambush behind the town. So, big change. Verse 3. So, Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 of his best warriors. Last time they only sent three. And sent them out at night with these orders. Hide in ambush close behind, behind the town and be ready for action. When our main army attacks, the men of Ai will come out to fight as they did before. And we will run away from them. Verse 6, watch this. So I, I don't know how true it is, but I heard it somewhere along the way. I believe it's at West Point. They actually teach battle tactics from the book of Joshua. Why? Because it's brilliant. Okay? So they're going to send people around the backside of the town. Main army comes out. AI's army comes and chases them. They run away. Guess what? No one's protecting the town. Do you see what's happening? Oh, I kind of ended it right there. I messed up the, uh, what do you call it whenever you, somebody tells you the end of the story? Everybody's talking at the same time. And you know what I hear? Okay. We will let them chase us until we have drawn them away from the town. For they will say, the Israelites are running away from us as they did before. Then while we are running from them, you will jump up from your ambush and take possession of the town. For the Lord, your God, will give it to you. Set the town on fire as the Lord has commanded. You have your orders. So they left and they went to the place of ambush between Bethel and the west side of Ai. But Joshua remained among the people in the camp that night, early the next morning, Joshua roused his men and started toward Ai, accompanied by the elders of Israel. 
I'm glad they take the elders. That makes me feel better about my aging self. Verse 11, all the fighting men who were with, who were with Joshua marched in front of the town and camped on the north side of Ai with a valley between them and the town. Are you visualizing this? This is cool. That night, Joshua sent, out, sent about 5,000 men to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the town. So they stationed the main army north of the town and the ambush west of the town. Joshua himself spent the night in the valley. When the king of Ai saw the Israelites across the valley, he and all his army hurried out early in the morning and attacked the Israelites at the place overlooking the Jordan Valley. Pardon me. But he didn't realize that there was an ambush behind the town. Joshua and the Israelites Israelite army fled toward the wilderness as though they were badly beaten. Then all the men in the town were called out to chase after them. I mean, you imagine the excitement. It's like they're attacking us again and they're running again. We got them on the run. Everybody, come on. This is going to be fun. We're going to go chase the enemy down like we did last time. Then all the men in the town were called out to chase after them. In this way, they were lured away from the town. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not chase after the Israelites, and the town was left wide open. Then the Lord said to Joshua, point, point the spear in your hand toward Ai, for I will hand the town over to you. Joshua did as he was commanded. As soon as Joshua gave this signal, all the men in the ambush jumped up from their position and poured into the town. They quickly captured it and set it on fire. You with me? When the men of Ai looked behind them, smoke from the town was filling the sky and they had nowhere to go. For the Israelites who had fled in the direction of the wilderness now turned on their pursuers. When Joshua and all the other Israelites saw that the ambush had succeeded and the smoke was rising from the town, they turned and attacked the men of Ai. Meanwhile, the Israelites who were inside the town came out and attacked the enemy from the rear. So the men of Ai were caught in the middle with Israelites, Israelite fighters on both sides. Israel attacked them and not a single person survived or escaped. Only the king of Ai was taken alive and brought to Joshua. When the Israelite army finished chasing and killing all the men of Ai in the open fields, they went back and finished off everyone inside. So the entire population of Ai, including men and women, was wiped out that day, 12,000 in all. For Joshua kept holding out his spear until everyone who had lived in Ai was completely destroyed. Only the livestock and the treasures of the town were not destroyed, for the Israelites kept these as plunder for themselves, as the Lord had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned the town of Ai, and it became a permanent mound of ruins, desolate to this day. It gets worse. Watch this. Joshua impaled the king of Ai on a sharpened pole and left him there until evening. At sunset, the Israelites took down the body as Joshua commanded and threw it in front of the town gate. They piled a great heap of stones over him that can still be seen today. Israel's instructions previously was to get rid of all of the inhabitants of the entire land of Canaan, 
all the inhabitants. It was a cleansing of the land. This is going to be Israel's land, so there can't be other people from other nations in this land. God had a reason for not sparing the inhabitants of the promised land, any of them. God had given very specific instructions to Israel. Later on, Israel is going to allow some of those inhabitants to live because like us, they would be compassionate towards people because that's what we do sometimes. In compassion, we say, you know what? Sin's not a big deal. Obeying God's not the important thing right now. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's what we do. And it's going to cause problems for Israel. So we read this story and we say, man, they are brutal. Yes, because this is about the holiness and the glory of God, not about your feelings. Oh, man, that's not politically correct. <laughs> Keep going, Brent. Number four, a renewed covenant. This is important. Finish up that last point. Our, their disobedience cost Israel. One man's disobedience cost Israel. They go into the promised land. God tells them, kill them all. You kill them all because obedience is what keeps us in a right relationship with God. Verse four, a renewed covenant. Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord. Watch carefully the words here because there's a lot of very interesting little details that are happening in the text. Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel on Mount Ebal. He followed the commands that Moses, the Lord's servant, had written in the book of instructions. He followed the instructions. Why? Because he's seen God be terrible. So he knows it's important you follow the instructions of God. Make me an altar from stones that are uncut and have not been shaped with iron tools. Then on the altar they presented burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And as the Israelites watched, Joshua copied onto the stones of the altar the instructions Moses had given them. Then all the Israelites, all the Israelites, foreigners and native born alike, along with the elders, officers, and judges, were divided into two groups. One group stood in front of Mount Gerizim, which is a New Testament uh, story too. That's a really cool story. The other in front of Mount Ebal. Each group faced each other, and between them stood the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. This was all done according to the commands that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had previously given for blessing the people of Israel. Verse 34, Joshua then read to them. You think we have long services? I have read a few chapters. Jo Joshua probably read the book of Deuteronomy. So stop whining. <laughs> Joshua then read to them all the blessings and curses Moses had written in the book of instruction. Every word of every command that Moses had ever given was read to the entire assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. They didn't send the kids to children's church. Like you sit here and listen to the book of instructions read to you. Throughout the scriptures, these are, there are people who put their faith in God and they are blessed. 
There are also stories of those who stand in defiance of God, refuse to follow his instructions, and they are cursed. We actually just read this in Deuteronomy. If you're, doing, if you're keeping up with soap, there's a whole section about God's blessings for obedience, which are tremendous. And then after that is a section about God's curse for disobedience, and it is terrible. Are you with me? Here's the deal. God is neither a friend or foe. He is God. You will follow him and be blessed or not. We don't get to say, I'm not going to follow you, but Lord, will you still bless me and my life and my job and my kids? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I don't think you heard me. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to live in sin and then ask God to bless it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Just in case you're unclear. No, you can't do that. There's a whole sermon there. We have the instructions to live a blessed life, not only for ourselves, but also for those that we love. I love Romans chapter one, verse 17. I'm coming to a close. This good news, the story of Jesus Christ, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from finish, from start to finish. He doesn't begin at the finish. He starts at the start and he goes to the finish. By faith. As scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has Life. Church, we have the good news. We know that it is by faith in Jesus' death that our sins are forgiven. And it is by faith in Jesus' resurrection that we get to participate in God's eternal life. We use water baptism as a public proclamation of our faith in the Lord Jesus. Our going under the water symbolizes our death to our desires and our living for our own glory. The water symbolizes the washing away of our sins. And then, of course, the coming up out of the water symbolizes the, the life that we're resurrected to, the eternal life that we're resurrected to through the Lord Jesus Christ because he was raised from the dead. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.